Liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. The words of General George Washington. And this is the Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll. And my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies. On this episode of the podcast, we will pick up on a feature that we introduced last week. How is the Republic being challenged this week? I'll also take a closer look at one presidential candidate's communication skills, and our Guardian of the Week is a blast from the past. But before we dig into our main topic, is there anything that we should know about Patrick on the polling front? Well, I don't have a specific poll that I want to highlight this week, but I have been getting a lot of interesting requests from reporters recently about different ways to slice and dice the polls, and I thought it's worth talking about just for a few minutes here. Uh, You know, one of the requests was, can we look at this hidden Trump vote? Should we add two points to Trump and take away two points from whoever the Democrat is just arbitrarily? And folks, again, this we don't know this stuff yet. And it's too early to figure this out. There's no question that we there was something going on in 2016 where we are missing some of the Trump vote, particularly in rural areas of the Midwest. And I found that in our polling, and I've, I've talked about this extensively. I've written about this. And there's, a, there's an indication that this is going to happen again. Uh, we had a, a few episodes ago. Yeah, I was that, just thinking that about voter? that woman. Yes, that woman who said that this is the same thing is going to happen again as 2016. And there are people who aren't willing to say Trump in the polls, but they're, they're voters. That's what I was thinking about the whole time you were talking. Right, right. And they're less uh, likely to say it now than they were four years ago because of how toxic <laughs> the political environment has become. Right. Uh, so... This is something that we have to keep in mind. And again, the bigger, the bigger takeaway here is remember polls have error and they're built, error is built into polls and there's that margin. So you need to look at them not as precise, but as a range of possibilities that could happen. So that's, that's uh, let my me ask you, as yeah. a pollster, as a pollster, is there a way to manage for this situation? Like to add a question to the poll where you, you know, you ask a basic question, would you go with Trump or would you go with Biden? Um, and they, you know, we get the number, it's 51 to 42 or whatever it is. But add something in there where it gives permission to people who are sort of saying undecided, um, to or even saying Biden, where you say, is is there any issue for you? Would you feel any uh, anxiety about saying Trump in a poll like this mm-hmm. because of your personal feelings? Is there any way to measure that? Well, one of Trump's pollsters uh, who feels that he got it right, uh, one of Trump's former pollsters, I should say, because he's been fired since then when Trump uh, went through a coal of all his pollsters a, a few months ago. But he said that what he did was only looked at the horse race question, who are you going to vote for, as part of the equation, mm-hmm. with the understanding that there was a softness there, and then asked some other follow-up questions that were related to, at the end of the day, what values are more important to you? What's more important to have an insider sure. or an outsider? Uh, usually what we look at is, if we're not sure, we look at the favorability ratings of the two candidates. You know, Do you have a favorable, unfavorable rating uh, of those? And then figure out who's got the better net and rating uh, but what happened in 2016 is that we had, for the first time ever, two candidates in Trump and Clinton who had net negative ratings. Right. That no, that the majority of voters didn't <laughs> yeah. like either one of them. Right. And we're probably going to get into that situation again this time in 2020. 
simply because the environment is so toxic. So we're going to have to, it's not so much that there's a secret question that you can ask to give people permission to uh, answer the question more honestly. It's that you have to ask other questions kind of tangential questions that will sure. help you kind of get it was jared them. kushner in 2016 it was like two days before the day before the election he was quoted as saying actually our polls are saying something quite different in these upper midwest states and i remembered thinking at the time yeah all right buddy yeah. like i'm sure that's the, it's certainly a good feeling to have that but it turns out that he was dead on right and it really does go back to me to this idea that people are um, mindful that support of the president might suggest something about your character, right? Uh, perhaps, and that you don't want to admit that, right? So that is something so. that we do have to take into account, and I will certainly be looking at it a lot closer as we get into our real general election polls when we sort of know who the Democratic nominee is going to be. Right. Okay. All right. So let's uh, move on to uh, what our main topic is. We had so much fun with this uh, last week, so. Let's do it again. Fun. So, so what, what, fun. let's let's you know scan but, the globe and see how our republic is being challenged this week. Yes. Yeah, so the first one that we want to talk about this week is the Brett Kavanaugh situation with the New York Times. I know you have some thoughts about that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, for folks who have been following this, that on the New York Times on Sunday there was an article about some of the allegations that had been raised and and not fully investigated. I didn't see the article at first. I saw the Twitter feed, which was new allegation. Uh, the Democrats didn't investigate this, or, or Republicans didn't FBI investigate. Didn't Nobody, didn't investigate, FBI didn't right. investigate this, right? And then it turned out when I started looking, I started looking through the news section of the New York Times. And I'm saying I don't see any article in here. I don't see any article in here. And then I get to the opinion section. And that's where it is. And it's an excerpt from a book coming out. Mm -hmm. The New York Times has had a number of problems recently, particularly on their opinion page, with putting things on their opinion page that come out as news and get reported as news. And then, as I said, the first way I saw this was on Twitter. And you're looking at the news. Right, as a news piece. And I, then I find it and I say, oh, this is just an excerpt from a book. Somebody's trying to sell a book and New York Times is trying to help them sell this book. That's what it looks like now. And what it did is it, it detracted from the underlying issue, which was, yes, we know that the FBI was stopped from fully investigating those charges. And that is continues to be problematic. But this particular article, I don't, I, don't, I mean, what did you see of it? I don't think it helped. No, and unfortunately, what it ended up becoming is a story about the media and a story about the New York Times. And right. the, the actual story itself uh, sort of fades into the background, which is uh, perhaps a shame. Uh, if, However, at the same time, I'm not sure that uh, impeaching Brett Kavanaugh right now is 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 any kind of positive political movement for the Democrats? Uh, I think that yeah. you know we've gone back and forth about impeachment of the president, but to impeach a Supreme Court justice under this situation, it, it seems challenging. At yeah, best. I mean, how can you? The, the question is, how can you impeach him for information that was available when you were initially confirming him, and it was just not investigated? You can't impeach yeah, no. him for the FBI not. Investigate being stopped from investigating him. that actually would go back to the impeachment of the president. It would yes. seem that that he is he's the one who's stepping in and making sure that things go his way, which is how we're living in our country right now is making sure that things go the president's way. Um, and that that seems to be more the angle than going at Kavanaugh as you know terrible as what he may have done in his early age. Right. All right. So that's one thing that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Another thing that's happened is that uh, the 
Republican Party in certain states are canceling their primaries in order Mm -hmm. to give Trump uh, a cleaner shot at the nomination, not have to face any of these three. (laughs) Cleaner uh, shot. (laughs) Every shot. The whole shot. Yeah, the whole shot. Uh, uh, Not having to face... uh, these challengers. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Well, I'm, obviously, it's it, it, it's not without precedent. I mean, we saw this in 1982 when Patrick Buchanan had such a, a very strong showing in New Hampshire. Uh, President Bush was able to get primaries canceled all over the country, and that was a problem at the time because here was a guy who was getting in the 30s against President Trump, like really presenting a challenge. Here we are. No, I Wall- should say, you know, in 92, though, I think it was probably seven or eight. Uh, primaries were canceled that year. So, yeah. so Bush still had to face Buchanan in at least uh, 35, 40 states. I seem yeah. to remember, I wasn't quite that old back then. I was only 20. But I remember that it it, it, it sort of ended the momentum for Buchanan. It sort of yeah, like I, pulled I th- the rug out from that, him. That, 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 I think that's true because he did uh, get, I th- what was it, Over he got over 40% of the vote, 40 Three forty-four percent of the was it that in high in New Hampshire? Yeah, it was yeah. a significant amount. Right. So and then, what, then beyond that, it was a, below thirty cents. But by, by the way, you know, David Duke was in that race too. He got over ten percent in Louisiana and yeah. close to ten percent in Mississippi. <laughs> but the point being, yeah, your the point being is that there was this, you know, you, Buchanan overperformed in New Hampshire, and then there was this panic, right? But my my the thing that fascinated me about this week was watching Joe Walsh on different shows. Um, I, I always find him fascinating on television. I think he's a really strong communicator. But I think his message is slightly wrong. Uh, I don't think that he should be talking uh, just about the voting in the different states. I, I don't think that's a message that's going to land. So, well, yeah, always always a process. The the process argument, you know, that that there's something wrong with the process never resonates with voters. But what he can say is this is an indication of where we are as a country and where we're going. To talk about the authoritarian dictatorship move of the Republican Party in the exec- from the executive branch, that this is a, a another sign of it. And that yep. what will this mean in the general election? Will this mean that we're not going to have any debates because this is how the president, president's going to do all things that work in his favor. So he's going to say, well, I'm not going to debate you. Why should I debate you? I'm not going to debate you. Or, or you know, I, I may have lost, but I'm, I, I didn't really lose. The, the, the vote is a, is a sham. So if, if, in my opinion, if Walsh can take this situation and shift it to, once again, always going back to a conversation about what it is that President Trump is doing, I think that there's some real value and opportunity there for him to make inroads. I just don't think him sort of saying Republicans ha- want the right to vote and they're yeah. going to march and they're going to stand up. I just don't believe that with right. the number at 88%. And I, I, and I, I just agree don't think you. that's because, the right Because answer. there's precedent out there from 1992 is that if you start running out there and saying that because these states, Kansas and I forget what the other three have done. Uh, South Carolina, so I believe. South Carolina. And Michigan just came right. through with it. But there's also but, a But because they've done it, but you can't go out there and make that ar- argument that because right. they've done it, that somehow this is undermining democracy because... Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you can make that argument. It's just not necessarily the best argument. It's not the argument that's going to catch fire. And for Walsh, his responsibility, his opportunity is to throw as much fire into the situation as he possibly can. Okay. Um, Now, the next one we want to talk about is this week, how the Republic is being challenged this week is the Trump administration's attempt to stop California emissions. Right. So California has its ability to make its own emission standards. And this goes back to the Clean Air Act. Uh, So California got this permission to do this, and it's based on a waiver given to them by the EPA. But then there's there's the the CAF 
Act, which has to do with emissions, which is more recent, which says that states can't uh, uh, impose carbon dioxide standards. They can do nitrous oxide, but not carbon dioxide. I think that's, that, that was the difference. All right, so this goes real technical. But the point being is that we've had California emission standards. It's, it's kind of this 10th Amendment idea that why shouldn't California be able to set their own emission standards since there's... What is the 10th Amendment? How does that relate? So the 10th Amendment is that any uh, power that is not specifically given to the federal government in the Constitution belongs to the states. Okay. And so this is what... The, That's constitutional this, stuff, man. Yes. That's base Constitution 1787 stuff. And and there was a, there was a case back in 2007 uh, where uh, the... Bush administration then was trying to stop the California having its own emission standards, and that and that case and actually ended because Obama became president and then be, then instituted these national new national emission standards mm-hmm. uh, that kind of made that a non-issue. Why, and why then, is that's Trump, what Trump has rolled back. But why is he doing that? What is because it, it's not the automobile industry that's looking for him to do this. No, in fact, the automobile the auto industry is on board with uh, California. Absolutely, and because, because what they, they want do to keep is that they're, looking the, they're looking at the long game. They're looking at continuity. Yep. They're looking at you know what's going on in Europe, what's going on elsewhere, and that it's likely that there's going to be tougher emission standards down the road at some point, and and not doing it now is going to make it harder for them as Later. a business right. to make that transition. Right. So, but what? Why does why does this? Why is this so important to Trump? And it plays to his base certainly there's a certain but why what's the a, what's the i don't understand it i yeah. don't understand what the positive is for for the president in this situation is it because of the oil companies saying no we don't want you to make cars that can get 75 miles to the gallon we want you to keep it 25 miles to the gallon so we can sell three times as much oil i mean is that is that what's about no I, th- I think it has to do with just one or two advisors who have his ear that's that's my guess. I mean, obviously we don't know, but you know, you know how how important Stephen Miller is to mm-hmm. the to immigration and and Trump's immigration yeah. policy. Yes, sir. Uh, I I think there's you know similar uh, inside there because the vast majority of the industry wants to move ahead with some sort of standards, uh, and uh, you know this is this is about again this is about Trump and his own his ego or his perception of himself as president. And that California is undermining that. Yeah, but you know what? Even if he's undermining that, and and they get rid of this this admissions uh, emissions, not admissions. It's not a college. Even if they get rid of that, there's nothing that stops the automobile industry from still following those, right? Right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, I think what was one of the bigger threats this this week or the challenges this week which was the house has started its hearings on its uh, the judiciary committee on its impeachment inquiry Mm -hmm. and a lot of folks are not showing up uh who've been uh subpoenaed but one who did was Corey lewandowski trump's former campaign manager Mm -hmm. uh did you have a chance to take a look at any of I sure did. Footage. I mean, he he's he's a bald man, and I don't mean hair wise. I just mean there, those moments. I, I personally found the last thirty minutes where the council was speaking mm-hmm. on behalf and asking the questions to be the most uh, to be the most powerful, to be the most effective. And it it made me think. Well, why are we wasting time with Congress people? That's to get exactly five minutes? that's exactly what I was thinking. Because if you go back to the uh, Nixon impeachment inquiry. It was the council who was doing all the questioning. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what my worry was about having an, a public impeachment inquiry. 
is that it could turn into a sideshow. And it would be members of Congress wanting to ask their own questions, whether they're on the Democratic or Republican side, and really not having a cohesive uh, approach to getting information from the witnesses. And in fact, it was used as such a a sideshow that uh, Matt Goetz, Republican from uh, Florida, tried to use it basically to help put his words into Corey Lewandowski's mouth. We don't know where we are or what we're doing. Now, Mr. Lewandowski, I am not allowed by House rules to impugn the motives of my colleagues or to speculate as to what might be animating this bizarre circumstance. But those rules don't apply to you. So, Mr. Lewandowski, do you have a thought as to why we continue to engage in a charade that is overwhelmingly opposed by the American people and fundamentally misunderstood by my Democrat colleagues? You know, Congressman, I think they hate this president more than they love their country. So <laughs> I'll, bet you, I'll bet you two nickels. Heck, I'll bet you three nickels that that was set up beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> they, that, that they, absolutely <laughs> sounds like a complete setup. Absolutely. So, he so said, Matt listen, Getz, I'm going to give you this. Right. Matt Getz wants to say that his uh, Democratic colleagues in the House hate the president more than they love the country. So you get to Corey Lewandowski to say that. In fact, and, and as much as you know how much of a sideshow this was, is that during one of the breaks, Corey Lewandowski tweeted out his exploratory committee for running for Senate in New Hampshire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, well, that's what he was there for. This is why everybody else didn't show up. Well, why did he show up? He showed up to launch his Senate. Is that his, why he showed Senate. up? Yeah, he, launched it, up, he, lo- he showed up to launch his Senate campaign. Wow, that's pretty smart, actually. I, I mean, mean, it is it, smart. Yeah, it is it, smart. It will certainly help get him the nomination in, and uh, on is, the Republican side. And this is how it was used. And so my thought is, if you're doing this impeachment inquiry at this part, and they're trying to get information that the Mueller report hinted at but didn't quite get to, you do this behind closed doors, and you do this with your counsel asking the questions. Well, you know, and also there were the, there were some moments that I, I, you know, he would ask questions, and he said uh, he was being asked questions, and he said that's not a question for me. That's a question for Jeff Sessions. That's not a question for me. That's a question for Robert Mueller. And what it kept making me think of was, well, let's get Jeff Sessions in here now. I mean, he's yeah. literally just been called upon but get him, to come in and, right. and ask and But get him in behind closed doors. If you really want answers to this, stop the grandstanding. Well, wait because, a minute. Wait a minute. Because it can backfire. Yeah, you start it can out, backfire, but st- at the same time— It has backfired because if, if yesterday's—if if that's today, any indication— Yesterday was not a complete backfire. There was some value that came out on the Democratic side because when Lewandowski said, I don't tell the truth to the media— well, that's actually going to hurt him in his Senate campaign, as far as I'm concerned, because it basically says but I don't, you're I don't not care, willing, I don't able care about to take his damn Senate campaign. What I care about is protecting the constitutional norms. And that helps that spectacle that happened yesterday helps to confirm to the public that this is that's exactly what's going on in Congress right now. It's a spectacle. And if you really are interested in finding out the information that's missing from the Mueller report, do not, this behind closed doors. I just don't. I I think that there is value in doing it out in in not the public. Like this. I, not like okay, this. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, not, not like that. Like but 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 you would you argue that those last thirty minutes with counsel did was not positive? No, I mean because because I, you look at the whole. Because guess what? This is again what is the important part of protecting the Republic. It is building public trust in the institutions, that the institutions are running properly. I don't care what happened in the last 30 minutes because that is not the takeaway that 330 million people in this country have from what, what happened there. All right, but anyway, so those are just some of the ways that the Republic was challenged this past week. 
But we're going to turn to a, a new segment. You know, if you've been a listener of, of this podcast, you know, every once in a while we focus on or we do our hot takes and Ian throws in a little bit about some of the performance skills. And so we're going to do a little, uh, a new segment here called Ian's Communications Corner. So what do you have on tap for us on that this week? Well, yes, I have my own little segment called Ian's Communication Corner. I'm excited. Um, well, Elizabeth Warren's speech this past week in Washington Square Park in New York was a pretty strong example of, of why I believe she is thriving so much in the Democratic Party. It's really not the issues, certainly uh, for some voters, where you look at Medicare for All and you look at some of her immigration policies and they seem incredibly extreme. However, what she's able to do is communicate at the highest level in politics. Really an absolute master. And we can see it with some of the some of the things that she said that night. Corruption has taken over our government and we're running out of time. We must root it out and return our democracy to the people. And yes, I got a plan for that. That's kind of interesting. Um, okay, so because it's got what, both her 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 core message plus this kind of strong. Sentence, yes, right. And and listen, she, listen to how she says it. Uh, are, we're running out of time, and she goes down there. She said, "Corruption's taking over our government, and we're running out of time." But I've got a plan for that, right? So what she's doing is here, the audience's ear is constantly engaged. We're running out of time, comes down with the end of that sentence. But I've got a plan to solve this. That is mastery. That is a masterful performance on her part. And that's just one of the many that we have. Right, because you weren't really expecting her to hit with her signature tagline there. Nope. As she was going there. You thought nope. that you were going someplace else. That's the point. And that's the point. Because you know what? What's worse than a college professor who drones on? Nothing. Okay? I remember my college days. And now we're going to talk about what's next. Well, here's somebody who was the... I was with someone yesterday who was a, a graduate of Harvard Law School and spoke about how everyone was desperate to get into that class. Because you were entertained as well as learning along the way. This gentleman said, I would never vote for her. I'm a Biden guy. But you, you, can't, you, you can't deny that she knows how to hold your attention. And, and here was a yep. perfect example of it for, for 55 powerful minutes. Yep. And next, what I want to do is look at her use of the word okay. Listen to it in this next clip. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I do. Whoa, too much. Too big, too hard. Okay, nobody here, but we know there's some people over there, right? Way, way out. Okay. There it is. Okay. So what she was able to do mm -hmm. is she brings these big ideas and she said, there's too hard. It's everything. And of course, you don't feel that way, but there are people over there who do feel that way. Okay. So now I've given you the other people's perspective and the other people's opinion, but now I'm going to set everybody straight on the truth. The use of that okay is it's a sharp right turn. Is there a, is it, there a word for that in in improv it's a, or well, acting? Like it's, it's a pivot. I mean, it's, yeah. it's she does it constantly. I mean, she's just it's engaging the ear and surprising the ear because when you're able to surprise the ear, what it makes you do is it makes you want to listen more. It's like it's like with great music. It's like you 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 think the music's going to go that way, and then all of a sudden, boom! It gives you a, a totally different sound. 
And that that surprise, that that audio quality of what she's able to do in those moments, absolutely fabulous, totally fantastic. And now here she is talking about um, Vice President Biden, and we can't see it, but if you go back and look at the clip, you see she doesn't say Vice President Biden, but if you look into her eyes, you can see the little smile in her eyes because she knows that she's being naughty. There's a lot at stake in this election. And I know people are scared. But we can't choose a candidate we don't believe in just because we're too scared to do anything else. And Democrats can't win if we're scared and looking backward. Boom. Boom. There she goes. So she's able to take a shot at Joe Biden, which was yeah. a direct shot she, right she at She claimed him. afterwards that that was not a shot at yeah, Joe Biden. I don't but love when she, when uh, yeah, she come they, on now, this take, is, take responsibility for right. it. This is standard you know. politics. Yeah. and But but the way she did it. Oh, it could, little, it could be a shot at uh, Kamala Harris. I don't know. No, it's a shot <laughs> at Steve Bullock. At it's a shot Martin. at Steve Bullock. It's a, it's a <laughs> shot at the guy who's trying to take, in, in quotes, trying to take us back to greatness. Make America great again because it was great before and it's not so great now. And she's calling for fundamental change. But it's the way she does it. It's the, her ability to communicate that's so fascinating. You know, I said that I was impressed when I saw her in person mm-hmm. uh, and her ability to connect with different Ooh. people in the audience who are coming to this with very different perspectives, whether they're moderates or, or liberal Democrats. But one of the things that I say about that we might be overstating the problems of her being too liberal for a general election audience is uh, is that America still wants change. Right. That's why they voted for Donald yeah. Trump. That's why and they voted for Barack she Obama. she can become the change agent she is. With it, within this liberal uh, paradigm I still that think, she's created, I, I, th- I think that that might be what people hook on to. It may be. I think her policies might still be George McGovern, 1972. I mean, we yeah. could be looking at... But there at- are people out there who really don't care about that. I mean, we're talking about those folks in the Midwest. They don't care about whether it's your, your policies to the left or to the right. Are you going to go in there, kick ass, take you no know, prisoners, and fix the things that need to be fixed to, to stop the people who are stopping me from feeling comfortable in my life, from yeah. getting ahead in my life. That's Listen, what they want. That Okay. Then the, she provides that, it seems, uh, in a way that no other Democratic candidate can. Um, well, Bernie Sanders Bernie is doing Sanders something something very similar as well. However, his ability, I mean, we could do a, in, in another communication corner, we can do another uh, yep. on, on Bernie and, and how he how he goes about giving his speeches. But here, well, let's go to the end and how she finishes with a flourish. This is our moment in history. Our moment to dream big, fight hard, and win. Actually, not with a flourish, with a surprise. Mm-hmm. And that was what was so powerful about it. It was our moment to dream, to think big, and to win. And she brought it all the way down, completely centered and strong. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, didn't, I never th- moment. didn't think about this, but, you know, most candidates, when they end their stump speeches, mm-hmm. go up. Mm-hmm. And she That's why down. I pulled that. Because she went down, because what she ended with, because sometimes when you go up, and we talk about this, when you put the energy up, what you remember is the energy and you don't remember the words. Mm -hmm. 
this is our moment. To or you dream. can go all the way like Howard Dean did and right. you hide and, and your way your, at the end. And, <laughs> that's right. But what she did there was, I think, a fantastically smart ending because you're left with sort of as an audience member, whether you're a fan of hers or whether you're not a fan of hers, you're left with the message. Yeah. You're left with the words that she wants you to think about when you go away. When, when, when you're thinking about Elizabeth Warren, she wants you to think about dreaming, f- fighting, and winning. That's very powerful. Yeah, that was, it was a fabulous speech, and she performed the heck out of it. Yeah, it was the way she delivered it. And I, I think a lot of people really don't realize that those little performance uh, traits can really have a, a big difference on how uh, that, Absolutely. that message it's, is absorbed. It's almost, it's almost everything. If we look back, it's almost everything. Well, you know, that was really fascinating, and it's something that we offer that I don't think you can get on any other podcast. So, I, I, Ian, I want to come back to more of those. Uh, Communication corner, baby. I'm yeah. all in. All right. Okay, so let's move on to our hot take segment now. This is where we have 90 seconds to discuss different topics of the day. And when you hear this sound, it'll be time to move on. All right, so our first segment up is Elizabeth Warren and her... 20,000, 30,000 selfies. How many thousands of selfies has she taken? A lot, four hours of selfies. I mean, we just talked about Warren, but this is this is a smart move on Warren's part. I want to say again, I find her Medicare for All to be incredibly challenging. I think that her immigration move is, is challenging. I think it's going to be, it's not going to be very effective. However, this is effective. She's taking selfies. She stands there for four hours. And I would think to my, I remember thinking to myself, why is she doing that? It doesn't seem like, it seems like a lot of work after such a big speech. But I think in her mind, what she's able to do is those selfies go on everybody's Facebook page Mm -hmm. and it becomes the most liked, most viewed picture everywhere. She does that for 5,000 people. That's then retweeted. It's tweeted out. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. And her face is in front of people and people get excited about that. Like, oh, my friend, Carol knows her. Isn't that awesome? Oh my God. Yeah. I kind of feel a a connection to her in a way. So I think it's way smart for her. It's, It's very smart because particularly, you know, where are these happening? They're happening in Iowa and New Hampshire for the most part, because that's where most of her appearances are. She's spending all those hours after each speech every single person who wants one gets one uh every single person who wants one gets one yes and who's showing up at these uh at these events people who are going to vote in the caucuses and primaries and who are the friends of these people 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 who are going to vote vote. in the caucuses and the primaries who are going to see these pictures uh yeah it is really smart but more importantly is that it's not just the self it's not just the fact that you have a picture with a candidate but it's that you know she puts her, sh- her hand on your shoulder she does all these personal things that it, it, it is a, it, it's just a little it's just a little picture but it can go a really right. long way all right next we're going to talk about the, the what the mess that's going on in England and this week we're going to talk about the Luxembourg prime minister who mocked Boris Johnson yeah so for the you know for those of you who don't follow this stuff that's going on overseas with Brexit so there was a meeting of uh, European uh, ministers in Luxembourg. Boris Johnson was supposed to have a joint press conference with the prime minister of Luxembourg. There were some uh, protesters there, and he kind of just walked across the stage and walked out. <laughs> and so the prime minister of Luxembourg decided, well, I'll continue to have the uh, the press conference anyway. And he kept <sighs> pointing to this empty podium next to him with the uh, Union Jack behind it and basically mocked Boris Johnson for being cowardly and not being there. Uh, but it's a mess. 
it's it's absolutely an absolute a mess. Me- it's an absolute mess. I mean, if you look, uh, Parliament is is been recessed. The Speaker of the House has resigned. I went back and watched. And, and I understand now, in a more significant way, why Burkow resigned. His relationship with Boris Johnson is was toxic, and it was toxic when he was the Secretary of uh, the Foreign Secretary yep. under Theresa May. There, there was a moment where Boris Johnson said something uh, rude and called a woman a lord, uh, you know, married to the lord of someone. And Burkow just put him in his place and said, we don't do those things here. You, yep. I don't know where your your manners come from. So then now to see these moments where the two of them were at such odds, it, yeah. it makes sense. It's but what's sad. going on? So basically, you know, the European ministers outed Boris Johnson said he doesn't have a plan for Brexit. And he claims no. he does. So, I mean, no, he doesn't. It's, it's a mess. We'll continue to follow it. Absolutely. Okay. So let's actually move on. Uh, staying overseas, uh, the, the Israeli election was this week. And, and, and it's a big issue. I mean, if you haven't followed this in this country, it's still a big issue for this country uh, in large part because... Uh, there are closest Bibi, allies in the Middle Bibi East. Maybe Netanyahu was basically running his campaign with pictures of Trump. Right. on air. Well, so, but I'm what what so it looks like he is going to not be the prime minister moving forward. That even if the Likud party does find the strength to build a unity government, there there's going to well, be if a new it, prime yeah, minister. If, if it's a unity government and the unity government means uh, the three largest blocks mm-hmm. will form the government and that is what the 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 block that has nine seats is saying because neither of the other two blocks has a majority and they're saying we'll only go into a unity government it's unlikely yes that they will go into a unity government with netanyahu uh, allowed to continue as the prime minister now, and so this could be how, a, a big what do you think ahead, for sorry. trump for us I, that's I, I, the I, question yeah. to me is how is trump going to handle it if net if his boy netanyahu is not running running the world uh over there is right. he is he going to change everything? I mean, is he going to say, well, you know what? If you don't have my guy as prime minister, all of this money that we've been giving you for the last seventy years uh, is or sixty five, whatever the number is, that we, we may not need to do that to you anymore. And then is he going to try to change, you know, the, the other countries yeah. by doing that, but, but for his own personal feelings about different leaders? Well, yes. When you think of what a tinderbox uh, the Middle East is and how Israel is the linchpin in our relationship there, uh, this is going to be really fascinating how this gets negotiated. Okay, so now we're going to move on to uh, AOC endorses Dan Lipinski's challenger, but he but she also endorses Marky over Kennedy. So what do you make right, of so, that? So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Castro has said that she is not she's not going to abide by the unwritten rule that you don't campaign against a fellow member of Congress of your of the same party. And she's she's uh, you know, so she's going she's Dan Lipinski is this very, very conservative Democrat in Illinois. And so she's backing his challenger. You know, you have that uh, Senator Markey up in Massachusetts being challenged by one of the Kennedys. Uh, she's sticking with Markey, who, who is a liberal and more in, in line with her. But she has said that she will uh, endorse more of these challengers. Yeah, to her she's going to endorse someone against Engel in my district. Uh, yeah. the, 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 that seems to definitely be the way that she's going to go. I, I'm not sure what to make of this. I mean, because obviously it's an unwritten rule. You don't do this kind of thing. But I don't know whether that's, uh, what do you think? I mean, well, I, I mean, it's is, it's, it, is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. Uh, I, I, I think that it's going to cause some problems. Uh, and we'll see what the, I, I think the, I, I don't know if it's going to make a big difference. 
Yeah. If she's going to be able to, you know, she tried to run somebody in Queens for the DA and that didn't right. come to pass. Right. So we're not sure if it's actually going to work. It, in a way, what it could do is it could hurt her moving forward because it could, the more times if they, that she if endorses they all, yeah, if, they opponent, if they all tank, if they all lose, yeah. then all of a sudden AOC's endorsement becomes less powerful. It's a, it's a, but it's definitely something for us to keep our eyes on. Okay, our last one is you want to talk about yes. the storm area. Uh, Area 51, go, go to town. Uh, this is probably the most important topic that we're going to be talking about in this entire episode, which is the, the <laughs> it, it was some comedian who started this uh, on September 20th. We are going to storm Area 51, and he's gotten 2 million people to sign up and say that they're going to this event. The Area 51, if you don't know, is that uh, an Air Force, uh, secure Air Force base in Nevada, where it's claimed that uh, the U.S. government keeps all the bodies of the aliens, uh, extraterrestrials it's found over the years, right? <laughs> um, so the idea is if we, if we get millions of people to storm Area 51, they can't stop all of us from getting in, and we'll find out what's going on. But... But I mean, it's funny, right? And, and it's not actually. It's, but actually, it's not, right? It's it, not funny. I it mean, goes it, into the whole idea of conspiracy theories yeah, and what government's I, up to. I mean, let's say that this actually happens on September twentieth, right? Friday, when the climate in in New York, the the there's climate marches going on. That that's pretty real. That's pretty. That that's a good thing to be happening. So we're gonna look at the whiskey rebellion here. I mean, are we gonna have to call out the American uh, military to stop them from storming? Right. Area Fifty One. I'm not a fan of this. I it's it's. But not I, I think just just even that this catches fire in the way it has is a symptom of this idea that yeah, government is not to be trusted. Well, listen. And, I just yeah. did a podcast this past week called "An Honorable Profession," which will be coming out soon, and it's involved with the New Deal Democrats. And one of the questions was, "Do you think that democracy will survive?" Situations like this does does give me some pause. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our guardian of the week, and that's where every week we, we find someone who is putting uh, the, the nation ahead of their own political future. Um, and this week, Patrick, you didn't pick somebody who's still around. No. You went with James Madison, which is why I picked the George Washington quote this week, which was in a letter to James Madison, liberty when it begins to take root as a plan of rapid growth. So James Madison is our guardian of the week. Tell us right. why. Right, and, and Washington wrote that letter uh after the Constitutional Convention and while the, the various states were working on uh, approving the Constitution. So that was, you know, and James Madison is the father of the Constitution, considered the one who, who really brought it together, all the different various pieces. And the reason why I met, decided to make him the guardian is that this week is, was Constitution Day, uh, September 17th. Now, uh, but part of the reason why I wanted to bring up James Madison is that at, at Monmouth University, a political science professor every year on Constitution Day brings in a historical reenactor to talk to the students about what was going on at the time. So we've had George Washington. We've had, not you, obviously, but... No, it wasn't uh, me. Yeah, but we've had you know, Alexander Hamilton, of course, uh, very popular at, at the time. Uh, James Madison was supposed to be the one this year. So he comes from um, Philadelphia. Uh, I forget what the group is. But he showed up and forgot his costume. And he was sitting there <laughs> in a T-shirt and jeans. He forgot his costume? He forgot his costume. And I thought, so it's, you know, James Madison shows up in a t-shirt and jeans to talk about the state of the constitution. And I thought, if that isn't a metaphor for where we are right now (laughs) with with the constitution, I don't know what else. It's like James Madison has given up. (laughs) He's not, James Madison is now phoning it in on the constitution because of what we've done to it. But 
let's remember James Madison. Let's remember our founders. This is, you know, the Constitution was not perfect. You know, an embedded slavery. There's all sorts of things that we had to fix with the Constitution. But it's the thing that has helped us establish trust in processes so this huge republic can continue to hang together. And we need to remember that. And I just, this is a good day to bring up your favorite quote when Benjamin Franklin left the Constitutional Convention and a woman asked him, uh, what kind of government did you give us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Let's try to keep it. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic. Make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And please make sure to give us a rating so that others can find us here. Uh, Check out our website at guardians-republic.com or on Twitter at guardiansotr. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode next week. See ya. See ya.